1: to the official Tennis.com podcast, featuring professional coach and community leader, Kamal Murray. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Kamal Murray, and we are here with one of the coolest guys What's on tour, Rob Steckley, uh, a guy when I first was on tour, uh, I found somebody that dressed like me, talked like me, That's wasn't good. as uptight. Um, didn't have the traditional Wilson or Prince clothes, kind of had on some Air Jordan stuff and a little bit of mainstream clothing on tour. Uh, Rob Steckley, welcome to the show.
2: What's up, thanks for having me, come on.
1: So I, I remember when you and I first met, it was kind of like, oh, okay, you know, when I first started on tour, you know, you get 50% of the people that are standoffish. Yeah. 25% of the people who are trying to figure out how you got here compared to how they got here. Yeah. And then twenty five percent is like, oh man, what's up? You know what I mean? We're all kind of like yeah. in this life together, yeah. stuck in Europe or stuck in Japan, right? Let's so. like keep each other company. And I put you in the last category, man. So yeah, me what's too, what's me too.
2: Yeah, right away we got good energy.
1: Yeah. So man. it's funny.
2: It's funny. It's funny because when when I first uh, entered tour, I was I, I was just trying to figure, you know, what percentage of people I would actually have like a good relationship with and you can connect with off and on the court and ultimately try to organize the best practice as possible for your players. Right. So you can actually feel like you want to be there as opposed to, you know, let's dip as soon as possible.
1: Right, right, right. That's like, oh man, how much more time we got? Right. You know what I mean? like, Exactly. You know what I mean? And that's, that's interesting because a lot of it is the environment, you know what I mean? And, you know, putting your player, not only was somebody that they will have a good practice with.
2: Yeah, of course. So somebody
1: where they were like, oh, why'd you put me with this chick? You know what I mean? Yeah. And from a coaching standpoint, it was like finding people who, hey, let's have a good practice. What do you guys want to do? What do we want to do? We need to do this. What do you need to do? Yeah. And it's not super awkward and standoffish as we cross the net. You
0: know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Like, of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> it's like, did you so
0: ever.
1: Weird. Did- did
2: you ever have to get in in conversation with your players, you know, kind of balancing the idea of would you want to practice with this player or was it, um, you know, just you're going to practice with, the, you know, the player? Because I know myself, I actually would ask a lot of the time because I knew, you know, maybe this player might be a good hit, but not the best, you know, friendship. Out on the court, so it's going to be more about work. Can we work through that awkwardness a little bit and cross paths and not talk, but still make it uh, productive? You know. So, did you ever find yourself in that boat where you were at, at yeah, actually you know, asking, "Do you want to do the hit?" Or
1: typically, I always would give them like three options, two two options. I would say, "Hey, we yeah. we need to pray We're probably going to play at one, right? So first on or whatever. Here are the two people that are looking at one." Yeah, yeah. Which of the two would you prefer? Yeah. yeah. And I would try to take that approach, right? Um, Or if we like lasted long in the previous week, we get there and we're kind of late, getting our feet on the ground, seeing who's around, seeing who's looking. Then it'd be like, yo, you either practice with me or you practice with her. (laughs) And my player is always like, I'll practice with her. (laughs) right? (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, Or early on, we practice with somebody and we walk at the court and. You know, the player would be like, don't ever practice with her. Don't ever put me with her again. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I got that. I
2: got that. And, part. It's,
1: and it's sort of interesting where it's like you could see them kind of talking off the court, but then we actually practice with the player and they get like super competitive. Yeah. Or we're warming up and the player's like hitting the crap out the ball. I remember like Rebecca Peterson, somebody where it's like, you know, super nice girl, but yeah. like literally three minutes into the warm up, she's cracking it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like,
2: oh, yeah.
1: Easy time. Yeah. Easy. This, Let's yeah. like work our way into this. Let's get a rhythm kind of thing. Yeah. And you just ripping forehands, right? And you like you look at the your your player, you're like, Oh, it's gonna be Oh,
2: oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know what type of practice is gonna be, eh?
1: <laughs> yeah, like you know, oh. the, the, the player's like, I hope you warmed up in the gym, baby, because first ball, I'm cracking it. You know what I mean? Uh,
2: yeah.
1: Um so so I definitely would like get the players input uh first. What about you? I mean, Lucy, you know, you spend a lot of time with Lucy yeah. Rob, she to me Personally, like just demeanor-wise, she seems so easy. Oh my God. Did you have that? Does she still have those practice quirks? Yeah,
2: of course. But, but, you know, going into those practices, you can give her, you you know, you lay out some options, right? But sometimes those, you know, the better practice would be the more awkward one. And we'd have a discussion thinking like, you know, this is the best scenario probably possible. Can we manage to mentally get through that and just work on a couple little things and have it more competitive? Um, And, and, you know, and there won't be so many high fives, but but are you up for that? Mm. Almost every single time. Uh, she'd always say, yeah, for sure. As long as it was the best case scenario, you know, meaning time-wise, time slots and and uh, get in, get out, that ty- type of thing. And and even if it was somebody that she didn't really prefer to practice with, she would always understand that it was best for her tennis and, and ultimately, you know, running through the event, trying to go deep. So we never had any issues, but there was a few times she's like, I oh, don't no. <laughs> 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 You put me on the court with that, you're going home.
1: Right, right, right. (laughs) Now, I mean, Lucy's a lefty, right? And I think that for me, if I'm you, I'm like, damn, you know, how many people try to avoid playing a practice match with a lefty because their opponent... Yeah, well, you you know what? I didn't
2: find too many issues with that just because, A, Lucy, like you said, was just like a stand... Uh, personality like nobody disliked her everybody liked her there was just something about her also she was an incredible athlete and tennis player so being a lefty obviously maybe for the warm-up there might have been something but you typically there was never any issues even when I was with uh, Dennis like everybody wants to practice with Dennis it doesn't matter whether he's a lefty uh you know and, and it's the day before everybody uh would just crank some balls with him so it was just uh yeah it was pretty easy I, I didn't have that scenario where I might be working with a player that players also dislike they don't really want to you know be out on the court with maybe not the greatest hit and then in addition they're in a lefty, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know category <laughs> so it's like right. three strikes you're
1: out <laughs> right right so so for our listeners Rob um is the former coach of uh, Lucy Saparova uh and then a Allah. but before we get that i want to know how you ventured into pro coaching you know what i mean i think we all grew up we played college we played juniors we played college played yeah. for the federation um we played one or two tournaments you know and then our dreams get crushed and we're like yeah i don't have the goods to make it on tour and we end up coaching tell me about sort of your tennis journey uh and how you got well, it in-
2: yeah i mean it was funny in a nutshell i'll start even earlier it was like you know you have this Pretty good, solid foundation through juniors. You think you're going to go pro? You know, f- funds aren't there. You know, etc. etc. Go the college route. I was immature, thinking like, you know, I'm too good for this. Did fairly well the first year. Now Where did um, you in school? I, I went to school in South Carolina, Gamecocks. Gamecocks, yeah, yeah, Gamecocks. And then uh, after the first year, uh, I uh, I quit tennis. Quit life in general bro and and like i literally went down you know the spiral of just like hitting rock bottom for two years i just i just avoided um i guess reality and i just was running from all the the you know the the torment and headache that tennis kind of created in, in my head and uh and ultimately it was just ego right and and uh And then I found myself picking myself back up in my early 20s and then got got an opportunity through somebody saying, hey, would you want to go back to playing college ball? And I had figured out, you know, working for nine dollars an hour wasn't the route and thinking I had it so good prior to that. Mm -hmm. So um, I ultimately just. Uh, you know had this aha moment and then went back into school and just hustled and even down to even my school in which I was terrified of uh, I I worked my my ass off and just grinded uh, on and off the court and then found myself with an opportunity to go play Davis Cup and so I had gone and you know played Davis Cup I played for a couple years out on tour and then ultimately I figured out it's probably not the best option continuously forking out money. I could barely pay, you know, for my flights and, and and making enough money to to pay for some coaching and 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 you know, all these factors just I hit that moment where I was just thinking, you know what? I think the smartest thing for me is transitioning into coaching because I actually found myself in the last year helping a lot of my friends out there, even when, when we were playing doubles and going watch friends matches, I was actually, I just had that knack for, for enjoying, you know, to help others. That was something that I found was crucial for, for coaching. But at that time, I didn't realize what it was. I just thought I was just that guy, you know, like, I just wanted to hang around the courts and help other people and whatnot. And then, uh, and so I slowly transitioned out of that. Uh, playing and into coaching and then I had to find my my lane obviously you know how that goes after you stop playing it's like do you go private sector um high performance you go national program like I don't know or tour you know that was still foreign like I, I didn't even think tour at that time so I just started naturally with uh, our our national team in tennis Canada and then it quickly just I got an opportunity to go to tour um, with Alex Wozniak, one of our Canadians. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was it. It was like, hey Kate, it, you'll, you probably would understand it. it it's, it's like you've been grinding your whole life and you still have this passion for the sport, but you never really made it. I mean, you're in and out of that circle, you know? Yeah. And I, I saw a lot of my friends, they ended up making it. And so I got that opportunity and all of a sudden practices were now not on court 18 in the middle of nowhere. They're in a center in a stadium, you know, and there's people watching. And I'm like, this is the life that I never had. And I'm
1: like,
2: this, this is my life. And that was it. That was it from I, I never looked back. From that point on, I just stayed out on tour and uh, you know, I, I networked and, and and I just really enjoyed being out there touring and and competing and and I found my, my true calling was helping. But also being out on tour, so yeah, now, just
1: that's that's. Now just so I'm clear, so you started you started at, at you know South Carolina. When you went back the second time, did you did you have the opportunity to go back to South Carolina? No, no,
2: no. Yeah, good question. Um, I went to because I got uh, I guess what it was called academic probation. I had all of these. You know, terms where you're just not eligible. I even put pro because I was like, you know, I I played a couple tournaments right after, and I'm like, I'm going to collect the full check of $32. You know, I'm like, yo, that was the bad, bad mistake because afterwards it was impossible to go to D1, and it was almost impossible to go to D2. Um, but this coach named Joe Cabri from, I went to Landry University, which was uh, a division two, but they were number one in, in uh, division two. He took a chance. He said, full ride, you come, I'm going to make sure that your ass gets uh, a full ride and you get to play. And towards the very end of the first, uh, first year, I still wasn't eligible and we had been writing to NCAA and trying to, you know, w- work out how we're going to get eligible And somehow he figured out some loopholes and sure enough, just before uh, I was set to go home and he had even said, this is the type of guy he was. He said, I'm going to have you come back next year uh, and I'm going to find ways to make sure that I make up for your uh, academic scholarship and um, we'll find ways so you can sit and, and continue your schooling. But as long as you can be here, I want that for you. And uh he came to practice with the papers literally like two weeks before I was supposed to go home. and we were kind of just sad because it's like we tried so hard. I was training, I was in the right set of like the right mindset. And I just wanted to give back to him and and, and because he'd done so much for me. And sure enough, he he actually got me eligible. and then I won everything the next year, literally mm-hmm. NCW like Division two, like the national everything, national titles. like I just was like, here. That's how much I appreciated the opportunity and what you did for me.
1: Mm. So, okay, that, that, that's clarified for me. So at what point did you meet Lucy, right? Because you get out there, you, you're out there with Alex Wozniak. Uh, yeah. Then you meet, I mean, a stud. Like, because what, what I think or what I see from Czech players is they very rarely work with a coach that's not Czech. I mean, yeah. like, I can't even like name, other than Lucy, I cannot name another Czech player that works with the coach that's not checked. And it's like one of the things we talk about, right? So yeah. how did you how did you connect with Lucy?
2: Well, I mean, that's a crazy story because I'll tell you, I mean, you're asking some good questions nobody's ever asked, you know? Like that little, how did <laughs> you meet? You know, it wasn't that easy. It, it was, you know, with Wozniak, do you, do you see these like little things that pop up or are you gonna be- No, I don't see any of that. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, I got her, to play doubles a little bit with uh alex wozniak because alex was a very very sweet girl but she was you know in her shell she didn't want to socialize and i thought it was critical to actually make a few friends out on tour and we came across doing a practice with lucy who was the most shy girl i would ever met in my life and she was dating thomas burdich so she just like that was her little circle just thomas and the tennis court, and that was it. And when we spent some time out on the tennis court, she was the sweetest girl. And I told Alex, I said, we should p- try to play doubles with this girl, you know? And she's like the nicest person. You guys could totally be friends. and I would love that. And, you know, just build your circle out a little bit. So it, was, it wasn't was just so, you know, just intense. It was just tennis and hotel and just, you know, you know. the crazy thoughts out of blues. And yeah, it's just, add a little bit to your, you know, your team and just, and, and socialize a little bit. Right. And, and of course, you know, Wozniak was 20 years old, twenty somewhere there. Right. So she needed to learn how to have friends. Um, So we became friends. I was, I stayed in touch a little bit. Um, And then when she had come to Toronto through the years, I'd been working with different players. It was with Mirza and, and Dina Galovic, you know, Adina? Yeah would know Adina, yeah. And so I've been coaching these girls, but sometimes I'd have off weeks and Lucy would come through. And it just so happened that at Rogers Cup every year, I wasn't working. And so Lucy and I stayed in touch and she just asked, Hey, do you want to help me, but not coach? It was very clear. Like
1: right.
0: and
2: so just you know like help not coach. And and I was like absolutely so you know I, I did the practices with her and just formed a relationship with her and ultimately the following year I forget which year it was the year before we actually started uh, she asked me again but this time she said um would you mind actually coaching me this week and I was like oh, absolutely Are you kidding me I would love to and so she ended up making the semis that week And she ended up making the quarters the year before and lost to Serena. And then she lost, she had match points and she was up five against Lina uh, in Montreal in the semis. But that bought, she bought into, uh, you know, I, I think the respect realm of like where I was coming from. And she got out of what typical Czech people would see from guys like us is like you dress different y'all you all talk different everything's a little bit different but if you spend time out on court the tennis iq and everything is really respectable and 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 then they're like wow we did not expect that at all so that's what i i got from lucy and then from that result there when she had given me the coach title for the week that was it she just caught she said "I, i absolutely love working with you I trust you a hundred percent. And she was working with another coach at the time. And she just said, uh, you know, as the months go on, let me figure it out. And then I got the call and that was it.
1: you know what's interesting about our sport is that you you look at people. You look at like now you see teams, right? I think like Serena was like the first person to, like have like a team. You know what I mean? Where like it was it wasn't really clear on what people did, but they were just yeah. around, right? Yeah. Um, and you know like now we still see some players like when they first start. Now they got like one person, right? They're going for one person to travel. Then you see a little bit like a little bit of money come, and then you get like one more person. Yeah. You know, not really clear yeah. what they do. They're like, they can hit, they can hit, but they're not the hitter, right? Yeah. But they play, but they're not the coach, but they always talk to the coach. And you see one more person show up and he's like fully really the physio, he's massaging. Then you see one yeah. more person come up and they just around creating this sort of atmosphere, right? So I always find it very interesting. Like, yo, can you help me out this week? And it's really not help because help is free. Service yeah. is not. So you're yes. kind of like helping, but not steering the ship. But, like, you bring something to this environment for this week. Mm-hmm. Even if it's you're helping keep the coach coming. I remember, like, Sloan used to joke all the time, like, you know, what does such-and-such do? They'd be like, oh, so, okay, as a coach and such-and-such and such is this. He just keeps out company. You know what I mean? It was kind of like, it, you know, it was kind of like, you know, like, whatever it is, it's working. Absolutely. You know Absolutely. what I mean? It, 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 I
2: mean, building out the team, I mean... Uh, Let's be honest, I mean even down to boyfriends. I mean as a coach, honest to God, those are things that we think about. like if it brings value or if it doesn't, you know And if it does, in which way or is the player looking or missing something? and can we bring something add something to the team even if it's just some random person that makes the team atmosphere that much more light they're bringing complete value at that stage of that person's career right
1: you not because so, like sometimes you get tired of staring at the same person like okay i'm tired of going to dinner with just this person oh the conversation's stale he's getting oh. on my nerves because we just got off the practice court we need to add somebody in Even if it's somebody that we're just going to make fun of, right? And tell jokes about, right? You know, we need to like change the energy and add a third person.
2: That's funny. That's so see that being
1: Sloan. So we're both like saying, right? So that the coach is saying and clear minded to help me this week. The player is saying, maybe it's a girl, then go in a room and keep each other company. You know what I mean? Like maybe it's. So that's why when you said, like the player proactively says, can you help me out this week, but not coach? That's the player saying. I don't know what I need. Just be there, pick up balls. Don't be in the way. If you notice something, find a way to like casually mention it.
2: Yeah. Well, and,
1: and so to that
2: point, I'm gonna piggy off, piggyback off of that because I knew my place. But, but if, if, you're, if, if you're in that realm of like working your way up into that circle, you know, you, you got to know the hustle. And like for me, it was like that was a, a really big opportunity into that next stage of player where I I, I really felt I wanted to be, um, but not overstepping at all. So, hey, I'm just here. You asked me to be here. I'm going to be as light as possible, but pepper in and just sprinkle in some some feedback and, you know, and clap at the right time and just do whatever I think could help, but not get in the way at all. And right. then leave them with that thought of, wow, I mean, I got the result and, and he didn't overstep his boundaries, but he was really there for support. And, and I, and, you know, he gave a lot more than what I was expecting. And so I think that's, if you, if anybody's listening who has an opportunity like that, you, they have to kind of treat it like that because I hear a lot of people that come to me still and, you know, and they're trying to work their way through like a hitting partner scenario and work their way up. And they're like, I'm, you know, I'm giving her all this feedback and coaching and and I'm not getting the credit. You know, it's like, it's not about that. It's, you know, they get, you got to earn that, that, you know, that title to them and whatever that means. So you might be going around, you know, thinking with your ego and you want something that, you know, you it's not going to be given and you shouldn't want that title. You should just right. be there and be okay with whatever it is. And and if it happens, it happens. So, you know, I think that that's what we're talking about here.
1: So, so uh, when did you, when were you with Lucy? Cause you know, she's, I, I look at her and I look at like 2015 French open. Right. And yeah. that was a slam that got away from her. Right. And I always say like, man, it's just, they don't uh. like that often. Right. To get to that point. And honestly, to play Serena on clay is probably the most winnable surface. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, where someone has the best chance to do it. Were you, were you around at that point? When did you come on board?
2: Yeah, I was there for two years prior. So oh, we yeah. had, worked. yeah, we, we, we had, we had, you know, we had, the first year was questioning where can we make improvements? Do you want to just go the, the confidence route or do we possibly make some changes and add growth to your game long-term? You know? And so we had those conversations. So that was the first year. Then, you know, she, after it didn't, it didn't even happen right away. She was like, "Eh," you know, and we're still testing the waters, but we had these conversations. then I think it was like three, four months later, she just out of nowhere stopped at this truck stop. We got like these wiener schnitzels in Austria. And she was like, I want to do it. I fully trust you. I want to commit to change. And I'm like, excuse me, (laughs) (laughs) out of nowhere. And we sat there and just had a conversation. And then we got into it. And I'm like, okay, like, you 100% want to actually make some change. So that was that first year of transition and making the change, putting in just hours after hours. And it was just so much fun in, in that point in my career. And then the second year was where the results started to pay off, but as a coach in your eye, you can see like micro wins, like just out on the court, just, you know, like she might've lost, but like she was actually taking the down the line, but with more authority and better footwork and, and like, it may be not the right time, but like it was much better than three months before. So you could see as soon as that starts cleaning up and, And certain things, you know, and we keep building, that could pay off. I still didn't know at the time, you know. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we keep working. And all of a sudden, boom, she wins um, the Tournament Quebec after U.S. Open. Yeah. And like, dude, I I went on autopilot almost for like three months. I didn't say anything. She just started winning. And because all of the work from the first year translated into the second year and you basically my 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 job was to fine-tune things but it wasn't to put heavy workloads and say okay we got to do more now and we got to it was just transitioning you know what we had cleaned up and added and now maybe adding and starting to add you know the mid-court game and now some volleys so now we added doubles and so that was that year and then and then she made semis at Wimbledon And that was the big like whoa
0: mm.
2: something majors that she really achieved and mm-hmm. then that following year was um, Serena, which was exactly like you said, the match that got away. Like yeah, yeah. I'll never, I'll never forget. Okay. I, <laughs> it was, she was up a break dude in, in the, in the third set, bro. She was up a break in the third set and Serena and she had a uh, break point and Serena's second serve. And I was, I was sitting there like this, watching that serve and that return comes in, but she'd been committing, the entire time, she got herself through that second set and just on fuego and then got up that break. She was up, like I said, to love, had that sitter return, dude. And you know, when Serena's like, <laughs> she didn't want to hit it, like, oh, like this, it was sitting and and Lucy shied off and they, and, and it just went the shallow open court ball, like in the middle, you know, and Serena also woofed another one and Lucy, <laughs> just spit it back up, and then Serena cranked a forehand inside out, and did one of her magical, you know, like roars. But like yeah. that was the that was the one where it was, you know, I'd seen that from scouting her so many times. Where I'm like, oh my god!
1: Right, you can just see it. Right, you can feel oh, it. My- oh my! We 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 had a shot. Ah. And what's funny is I always like when you think about, um, like you know, at that level, right? Slams. You not only remember being up a break you not only remember the, the score, but you also remember first serve or second serve. And like, yeah, you think about like when you have, you know, I always think about 2018 French Open where it was like, yeah. up a set, up a break, second serve, high to the backhand, and just like, you, it's almost like that was like your one chance yeah, to sort of pull chance. away. And when you didn't take it, then you like the other player just sees you didn't take it. And then yeah. they say, okay, I'm gonna take it back now. You know, yeah. and I think with Serena, I remember that match. I was like, oh yeah, that was that was the one. Like, that was your one opportunity to yeah. show her that you weren't afraid to take it. Mm-hmm. And then she started screaming that- and yelling and, sh- and it's like, okay, now it's over, right? Yeah.
2: That was, she was unstoppable from that point. And it also was the point where Lucy had turned around after she had lost that game. And she, rather than being upset, she, she gave me this look of, we're here, you know? And I'm like, no, we're not, just <laughs> <assistant> done, dude. <laughs> and I, I think I even went a little bit too much. You know, like I was way too in it at yeah, that yeah. moment where I was just yeah. like, "No, don't give up at all." Like, you got to put your foot down now. But, but uh, yeah, it was just that moment, you know. And Serena just became a, a, you know, a beast, and and literally started ripping shots, and and Lucy was being yanked around, and it was still a good quality third set, but. She just had that edge, you know.
1: Um so yeah, it, it's, it's interesting because you also you mentioned them, like things that you could have done better. Like you, you as a coach, you're always, you're always, especially on the women's tour, as a coach, you do you have more opportunity as a coach to impact the match in the match.
2: Your reaction That's what I love. So
1: that's what I you lo- you think lo- you went too hard. And I think when, when I look back at like 2018 French Open, I think I was too calm. I think I was like, and I'm not even this kind of person, right? And I look back, I'm like, damn, I should have, like, got up, walked out the stadium, made a scene or something to, like, change the energy when we felt it slipping. And you're always like, okay, what do I do to send a message? What do I do to change the energy? How can I? I'm not playing, right? We're not encore coaching in a slam, but I had to do something. But I don't want, you know, it's like you always look back and say, damn, I should have did this. You know what I mean? And it's how was Lucy after that match, right? Because to, to, to be in a slam where you're up a break, and a game point, and I'm saying it because I've been there, right? How did she, or how long did it take her to recover?
2: Yeah, I mean, she was disappointed. We were disappointed. But, you know, it's a tough scenario to be extremely disappointed overall because, you know, you're playing the finals of French against Serena. So um, I think for me, I went through conversations for a while as to exactly what you just mentioned. Like, what could I have done different to maybe change the narrative? You know, I was just constantly ru- running that scenario over. Should it have started earlier? Should I have said different things, you know, and tried to put plant the seed earlier, you know? Um, or even before the match, I could have said, you know, because we, we had known, because she had played uh, Serena several times but we knew like she has these moments where she just disappears mentally and right. gives you these gaps but she always somehow gets back out on track but when you get that gap you gotta go you, yeah you gotta you gotta hold her throat like that's it you gotta go and so I didn't before the match had had that conversation and and you know those are those things but for her uh you know she was disappointed but she was also you know, we did it kind of thing, you know, as a team. And I I couldn't hate on that at all. You know, Mm -hmm. like I was just like, so blessed to be a part of not only that result, but it was bigger than that working, you know, when, you know, I'm sure you understand, like working with that one player that usually coaches always kind of want to get, like she just was a perfect human being. And, And, and so seeing her disappointment, I was there for comfort. I couldn't get mad at that. And then we just, you know, we just enjoyed the moment and got back to work type thing rather than um, being upset because I had had conversations with her before after close matches like that where we were disappointed and we got into these heated kind of battles because, you know, there are things that you should have been doing and you you didn't.
1: But that wasn't the moment I felt, you know, like... Mm -hmm. Yeah. You? Yeah, no, I I think after that, you got to pick them up. You know what I mean? You pick them up deep down. You're pissed, right? You're pissed at yourself. You're pissed at like, Oh man, we had an opportunity. It was on your racket, that kind of thing. But I think in that moment you pick them up uh, and you sort of put your pride aside. And then, you know, you do some self-reflection, like, you know, if we get here again, what can we do yeah. so that when we get here again, if it comes right, and sometimes it doesn't come. And that's yeah. the hard part. Right. Um, yeah. So you look at Lucy though, and you look at like, she's five and zero and grand slam doubles finals. Right <laughs> with Bethany Matt, who I know well, and Justin, you know, great people. How was that? You know what I mean? Because it's it's interesting because I think the doubles final doesn't get as much airtime. Number one, uh, mm-hmm. although most recreational tennis players, most tennis fans play more dubs than singles. Yeah, it's not it's not as you know like whatever treated as favorable, but it's hard, right? Yeah, and it's you know it should be more. How how was How are those doubles sort of championships or, you know, Grand Slam championships compared to the final, compared to the singles final you win it?
2: Listen, I'll I'll be fully transparent. Like I was never into doubles. You know, doubles was cool to transition a better singles. Like that's my mindset. It's always been like that. It's still to this day. And, And, you know, Bethany, Justin, we were great friends. And again, the conversation, I think, and that's where we were talking about, you know, those transition years, like the first year, second year, and what can we improve in Lucy's game? And it was very clear. She needs to play doubles with somebody that is going to lead by example mm-hmm. and, and very strong at understanding how to play the net and whatnot. So when we went into that partnership, it was it was basically just for that mindset of like, Basically, Bethany is going to help piggyback off of what I'm trying to educate you on and coach you. But mm-hmm. as a player, she's going to show you firsthand out on court. Mm-hmm. And and that was the mindset. And bro, like, next thing you know, they're lifting the French Open trophy the first time they had ever played. Oh no, this was Australia, Australia. Okay. Yeah, they I'm played sure. Australia. Yeah. And like, I'm sitting there, and I didn't even expect that. So I was like, we didn't expect that. There was no, like, okay, so you guys are going to poach every third game. You know, like, there was no tactics, really. It was just, like, having fun and and getting out there and really just working on things that she needed to do. And so after that moment, when she had won, I didn't even think anything. I I literally walked out of that stadium as if it was just a practice. (laughs) And then it was afterwards when people are like, oh, Coach Steckley finally won a Grand Slam. and I'm like, what? I wasn't even... And that's when it kind of sunk in, like, oh, not no no disrespect, but like I was like, doubles oh, <laughs> is, I don't know, and it just turned into this thing where well, I I, I it, it, yeah, it had this energy about it, like doubles was, you know, respectable, and and there, it was much more than just the task at hand when and, and trying to fine tune the singles, and so we got into it afterwards you know it mm-hmm. was it, a lot more about the doubles but nothing measures like it's hard, hard to equate like playing a singles final in a slam or even a semis like the work you put in is way more stressful in terms of like the the build up the lead on and off court prior to that event then getting into the event singles one-on-one like so when you get to that moment where it's a semis final it's there's a lot more weight there, you know? So you're really mm. in the moment. That's, you know, it's pretty special and, and not to take away from the doubles at all, mm-hmm. but I definitely feel, you know, there's, there's something about being in that singles as opposed to a doubles, if mm-hmm. that makes you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah. There's just a lot more that goes into the singles lifestyle and, and, oh, and yeah. then we make it, you know, it's just like, wow that's a packed stadium and just, yeah, it's a, it's a real battle out there. The doubles is uh, unbelievable. I love it. And I became a person that really thrived I loved getting ready for the doubles, you know, but the tournament didn't start in my opinion to the quarters, no matter what, like I'd always say to the players, like, until you make the quarters, it's not really a tournament. I
1: know. Right. Do you remember the 2017 Toronto quarter?
2: The Toronto quarter?
1: 2017. Toronto quarterfinals. Lucy and Sloan Man, why no? No. No. You don't remember that? You don't remember when Sloan played Lucy quarterfinal 2017 Toronto?
2: Ah. Uh, uh, I don't know why I'm blanking. And
1: and the, the reason why I remember it is because played you guys 2017, Montreal. Quarter final. Yeah. Seven yeah. Five third. Yes. I remember that. Yes. The draw I, comes out, Cincinnati, and we got to play you guys again. Uh, yeah. And it was like we almost pulled out of Cincy because it was like, it was like Kavitova, Zafarova, Putin. I mean it was like a bunch of lefties in the, oh, Makarova. It uh-huh. was like the same draw two weeks in a row.
2: Yeah, that's always tough.
1: You know, it that's, was like damn. We were going to pull out a sense like, damn, can, I, can we beat all those same players again? I'm like, yeah, we could do it. You know, it was like to beat Kvitova twice, to throw twice. It was like, we could do it. Like, let's not pull out, let's play, right? It was like, and I remember it because that was the summer leading up to the US Open. Yeah,
2: yeah, and yeah. And we yeah. were coming
1: back trying to get some rhythm. I'm like, no, we're winning. We got rhythm. Let's keep going. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. But
1: I remember it was so odd because it was just three rounds of lefties in both turns. Yeah. So,
2: how like- did you, So so, so, from a coach's perspective, you know, when you're playing, you know, three lefties like that, how did, did, did you feel, you know, like this is going to be a task or, or were you starting to get used to, you know, game plans? Like it was already kind of set, you know, you you kind of already, you know, been in the mud with those lefties. And, and so you kind of get their patterns a little bit more and, you know, so you're like, I'd rather actually play three lefties in a row rather than, Oh my God, because I know Sloan, like some players just can't stand playing lefties, you know? But some like Scott's got an incredible backhand that, uh, you know, when it slides there, she's ready for that back. And she goes sharp cross down the line, like if she's trusting, you know. So,
1: So what was funny is, you know, during pre that summer, right, you know, she was injured, right? And we worked a lot on backhand line. Yeah. I mean, literally like months of just rope, open stands backhand. uh, And so, her forehand is big, like she's famous for her big forehand. Of course. The backhand is solid. Yeah, you know, yeah. the backhand is solid. And I think like this the, from what we have been working on, it was almost perfect. So yeah, you know, I was I don't want to say I was excited, but I was like, okay, no, we can we can stand in there with a bit of a forehand, right? We can stand in there with a Lucy sort of forehand because we can just burn him up the line with the backhand. Like, don't get caught yeah. in a cross court rally. Let's just use what we're working on. We worked yeah. on backhand line a lot, open stands right? Reversing the ball kind of thing. Let's just do that, right? And I think that the fact that we had an opportunity, because it's weird, right? When you are like injured for eight months and you're like sitting there with the same coach every day doing the same dumb drills, right? You're like, is this actually going to work? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, then, of course. And then you play, you you start in the tournament, you're like, okay, it's kind of working. And you start to sort of build belief that what you yeah. have been doing in a vacuum for eight months is kind mm-hmm. of working. So I actually think that the, the series of lefties and hitting so, I mean, she was like, i would never hit so many backhands in two weeks of my life. You know what I mean? And like, if you think about that, I think that helped build confidence together where yeah. you become so wide open, like, okay, whatever you tell me, I'm gonna do. So
2: let me ask you this, because it's interesting. Um, when I hear that, were you at a point in your career where you knew exactly like, no, this is gonna pay off? Or were you still, on the fence, like, I think this is where we could take things that make sense, but until it paid off or had you already gone down that route before where you'd done that much work on a specific when you guys were out and you already knew, you know, like, that was it, this is the plan, this is what's going to work for sure.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I so so think about it this way, as long got a big forehand, right, So when people stay away from your forehand and they start trying to go to your backhand, the best way to get the ball back to your forehand is to take that ball down the line to their forehand. Right. That's right. And then they start getting more forehands crossed. So so really I did it. And really, when you think about pro tennis, you don't really have a lot of time to improve. You know, you go to Madrid, the next week is Rome, the next week is Strasbourg, the next week is French Open. You go same thing, Miami. You know, you got Indian Wales, Miami, Charleston. You don't really have stretches where you can like actually try to improve and add things. Because you're like, okay, we can practice and like reset our mindset so We don't let this loss this week affect this week. But that time was probably like the first time we had like nine months where it was like no pressure to win tomorrow. And we could just improve. So in my mind, I was thinking the girl got a great forehand. I'm not going to mess with that. How do we, set, you know, construct the point where we can hit more forehands? right yeah yeah, people are staying away from it let's get so that was actually really intentional to like be able to like you know because normally you don't take a big forehand a big backhand cross line you take it back cross court so let's work on irresponsibly going line how do we work on taking the ball line that is so big that you probably should have taken across court but now we just worked on staying on the inside of the ball where we can actually control it line to get the ball back to our forehand yeah. and then we can take our forehand. So that was like very intentional. Preach, and, baby. Preach. You know what Love I mean? It. So it was very yeah. intentional. And we just were fortunate to have eight months to mess around with it. You know what I mean? So I, I remember that because you think about Lucy, who at that time was a Grand Slam finalist. Sloan was not, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was like, oh man, this I mean, we gotta play this girl two weeks in a row. You know what I mean? Like, you know, even if you win seven five and a third you and your mind are thinking can i do it again the next week because i yeah. barely won last week kind of thing you know what i mean so it was like a lot of that sort of doubt thing so i, I remember lucy because you obviously you remember those two tournaments leading up to the us over right? yeah, so, yeah 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 life-changing kind of thing so that's why that's why i ask about you know how she recovered after the grand slam and then now she was a grand slam doubles champion at this point multiple times so now this is somebody that knows how to play yeah. under pressure yeah right so that, that's why i always think about lucy she's game and, and bethany's game so tell me about how you transition from lucy to chapeau because i think about you know a number one you're canadian and i think about if i look at countries over the last five to seven years there's two countries that stand out in like getting it right one is italy right with the men i mean Musetti, yeah. and center and i mean all these guys right America, I think we did a good job too. We got, you know, Tommy Paul, Francis, some Fritz, you know, yeah, right. I think yeah. America like in the past year and a half is like, okay, we got this class of boys right, right? But Italy got a class of boys, that's right. And Canada in general had Chapo, Felix, Bianca, Layla, Jeannie, Ronich, right? So you get yeah. you your hands on Chapo who was fiery, spunky, Lefty again, right? Kind of got that edge and that swag. How did you all sort of get together? you know what?
2: I kind of came full circle because right after I stopped playing, I transitioned. I'd worked with Bob Brett. I don't know if you ever remember. He passed away a few years ago the Australian. he worked with silich and and uh, you you name it. He's worked with, you know, the best of the best. And he came into um our uh, federation and ran the toronto facility so i went with him dennis was i don't know let's say nine, ten years old 11 years old something like that so i spent a little bit of time with him there but i you know dennis funny enough like when we started work he's like you remember when you were teaching me the tweener and i'm like "Nah, dude like not really <laughs> <laughs> not really but but I I must have because that sounds like me. But right, right, right. um, <laughs> spent time <laughs> with him, got to know. But I do remember spending time with him and and uh, and his family and whatnot. And uh, you know, through the years, as he was playing the juniors, and I was out with Lucy, I'd always spend time with him a little bit, just you know, giving him a little pep talk. You know, when I'd see him at the slams, and just telling him, you know, like if you really you know work your ass off, and and, and you really believe, because I'd seen you since you were you know, 10 years old and and your thing was playing to the ex- utmost extreme aggression. Like it was just, you know, one-handed fiery kid, emotional crying when he'd missed like, but there was a lot of good. So from, from my perspective, I love players like that, you know, who are just cranking the ball and you can teach them how to play tennis afterwards, but it's not the polar opposite where they're just pushing, right? I um, see him out on the road and, and we just kind of kept a relationship like that. And then it was at Wimbledon when uh, I think uh, his his coach got injured and then they started having the conversation with me like, uh, you know, maybe you could fill in a little bit. Um, are you interested? And I was, like I said, was, you know, I was with Lucy and we were planning on playing one extra year and we we're going to kind of do the farewell tour, you right. know, last year play a little bit of doubles and really enjoy, you know, right. relish in, in, in that environment as much as possible. But sure enough, they they they'd come back again and say, hey, listen, you know, uh, we r- would really like to have a conversation with you about you coaching him and whatnot. And so just one thing led to another. And and it was just one of those opportunities, you know, where I think all coaches if you spend a lot of time on the WT tour, you think about like, oh, would I coach? on the ATP tour or do I just stay in my lane here? But I had started with guys before prior, you know? And so I think you're very similar. And that's what I catch from your personality is like, you could flip flop from guys to girls, no problem. You know, Mm -hmm. so, so for me, I was one of the boys but I really enjoy what I can bring with the, the girls and the women, I love that environment, right? And that space. But if you get me out on a court with an ATP player, like my, just my, I just morph into that guy, right? right? There's no transition. There's, I just become that guy. I've always been that guy. So it was, you know, an opportunity where I talked to Lucy and she was like, honestly, you got to go to this, you know, like I, you really belong helping somebody like that at that level and, and, and see what you can do. So I just, uh, it was her push that kind of led me into, you know, ultimately just saying like, yeah, let's giddy up, let's go. And 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 then, uh, yeah, I took the position there.
1: So I, I find it because that's, I, I look at that period and it was kind of interesting because, you know, he was coming on, but you know, yeah. like when you when you first get on tour, you got to like learn how to be on tour, right? You got to learn how to like control the emotion at certain parts of the match um stay under control off the court so you don't do anything you know what i mean it's like i know you're like young and you got a little money but you can't really go out tonight you know what i mean we got to play tomorrow right um or you know you can't go out the day even if you play on tuesday you can't go out on sunday because it's going to catch up like it just catches up to you later right how was it being raising a young player right because lucy yeah, yeah. personality very mature but young like I think about a young Francis a young chapeau and it's like I got to like make sure I tame this young bull you know what I mean
2: yeah yeah well I mean it's a lot of energy and 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 it's fascinating because um I had always worked with quote unquote like more seasoned types of players except for Wozniak at the very beginning who was 20 but but you know, more or less through, you know, those later years, it was, you know, players who had already been out on tour. So the transition that I got Dennis at was, um, you know, he had spiked out of nowhere, made this incredible run in Montreal, beats Nadell. Now he's the hometown hero, all this momentum, but li- and, and a ton of energy and game, but realistically, has no idea how to use it and harness it so i think that's what the previous coach was really trying to to drill in and of course when you shoot up there's going to be a stall you just can't keep going some players can but in dennis's case he had you know all of these things to learn you know like you're a young stud what do you do you know on and off the court so when i came in my job was starting those or continuing probably those conversations, but really leveling up and doubling down on um, his, his, you know, his personality, his mindset, constructing points. A lot of it was tactical, trying to understand how now to play when people start to figure you out. And so bringing that element of now you have to think you can't just go on autopilot and crush winter i mean dude if you can by all means go ahead but the level is too strong on the atp you just can't do that people even with people have answers for your creative mindset you know like they they know your patterns it's all out there heat seeking and we because i I was a big fan of using all of that tech Mm -hmm. so we knew everybody had his patterns and what he was doing and when he breaks down they really know where he's going and thinking so um that was my job to 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 you know level up on those conversations and get him to be aware um and then cleaning up footwork and and also being aggressive but also learning how to to have plan b and and introduce that into his game you know so adding better slice because his slice was non-existent and there were so many elements you know so i got him at that stage where i think now physically he's much stronger and he's he's playing with all of those tools but i think there's an element of you know where he still needs to grow yeah to grow you know like i think that's where he's struggling right now is just you know People know how to, how he plays and he's flashy, but they don't really care, do they? Yeah. You know, like...
1: A little bit more they, meat and potatoes. Like, in the middle of the points, I feel like, you know, he can improve in the middle of the point.
2: You know, yeah.
1: push him to move, he can kind of yeah. shot make, right? If you push him, he can shot make. Um, if you hit some, you know, some give him some crap, he'll make you pay. But, like, in the middle, where he needs to just be more steady and more tough, yeah, yeah. where he's missing it right now. Yeah, needs, yeah. He, uh, so that, that that's sort of interesting. Um, and that's where the tour presses you, right? When yeah. you're a new guy, not as much data, not as much data point, not as much film, but the better you do, we sitting in that, you know, we are sitting in the, the player lounge, waiting on our match, watching you, right? You yeah. know, pump your fist, right? We, well, okay, we watching, right? And then when we see where you're good, we're going to make you play where you're not. And I think yeah. for the men's tour, it happens quick. You know, women, it yeah. takes them two years. Like, people still haven't figured out Swiate. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. But the beers yeah, tour. Yeah, I, I know. Oh, in four or five months, we got you.
2: Yeah, no, they 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 got you, for sure. And they'll expose that, no problem. Even on a bad day. Even on a bad day, they're able to expose. And that's what I actually really, really enjoyed about uh, flip flipping back to working with men. And Dennis uh, is it, just... It's all tennis. Like you, you got to be on at practice. You got to be on, you know, during your matches. And it's way more tactical and physical, and, and really, it becoming about tennis. So that was that fun part about going back to the men's. You know, it's just it's it's, you know, it's war. And and even the top guys when they're playing bad, it's it's like you still ain't gonna run through them. Like yeah, it, you know, there's yeah. so much. So it's it's work. You you have to go and do. The work day after day and 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 you can only incrementally work your way up the rankings whereas the exciting part about working on the wta is if you have a good uh workhorse and and you know they got that potential you to have no idea it could be that tournament that you just run right through yeah even if you you know you're working on things it just if you're mentally somehow there and you know it aligns that you can actually go through because there's a lot more momentum shifts but on the, the men's tour you got far less of that and and there's a level you know when you get to to the quarters even though you think like oh it it, it could go your way no it, you're not ready you know yeah, you're not no, going to get through on, that
1: yeah, on the men's tour it's like you can't like I, you can't win every week as long as Jokovic is around federer was around nadal was around yeah you can't win this week you can get to the quarters but you're not going to win where on the wta you could probably win I mean, every week you do actually have a chance to win. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? You can win. Like, I, there's, there's 25 players that can win. 20. I love that. I love you know that. what I mean? Right? Where well, the men's tour is probably four that can win this before. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that, That's sort it, of mental.
2: And then there's always one, like, every year, there's somebody that shows face, you know, and, and it's just like, oh, he's coming you know and like there's yeah, yeah, yeah. just that one little race horse that's climbing and then and then all of the other guys that are in that 20 to 30 range you know it's like their hopes are now getting smaller because yeah there's there's always there's just always people coming you know and it's just the level on, on you know the men's side right now is just so strong so um yeah unless you you do the work and you really believe like there's There's limits to where you can take your game.
1: Yeah. So, you know, you you and I, you know, you spend years on the road, right? Let's say eight, nine, 10 years on the road, 38 weeks, right? And then you you hit a point where now you got family, you got stuff to do. What what are you up to now that excites you, right? Because it's all exciting. Like being on the road is exciting, right? Every week is a new place, a new hotel, new restaurants, new challenge, new draw. And then you know, still being at home, it's like new stuff to do in this sport. This sport changes. So what are you up to now? Uh, Well,
2: I mean, currently working uh, with our transitioning Canadian pros in whether they're going to college or um, I work more on the pro side of things. Um, But staying home, I mean, I got two beautiful daughters, my wife. We bought a new property. um, And intentionally with uh, the property, uh, I really want to build a small, um, high performance center, you know, and, and, and kind of take what we had been doing for over 10 years out on tour with your team and condense that into, you know, a high quality, not oversaturated, you know, high performance. I like to say facility, but it's not really a, you know, it's like, it's it's uh, Country Club meets high performance and um, you know, really bringing my experience and and quality control to um something exciting where kids come. and if you want to be a leader, if you want to really,, um, you know, go forth in this sport as well as be a good human being, that's kind of where I want to bring things. Rather than work under the umbrella all the time, of being subject at you know uh, at a club and having you know being regulated and 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 always having to think within the box i like to think outside the box so i don't really want to have limitations so that's kind of the vision um to and also you know i'm looking out here 10 acres rolling hills the horses on I mean, it's, it's just like this environment that i want to bring to where there's this peace of mind but when you come here and you train you know, you go 100%, but it's much easier. Whereas I found, you know, through the years, um, there's a time and place, but I found, you know, times ticking when I'm in these environments and these clubs where it's like you're trying to get the work done, but it just feels so stressful and I'm out of place. But I've gone to these uh, facilities and just random places in, in Europe and stuff where you're just, you know, surrounded by by nature and 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 you just get a ton of work done. And I think that's what I found with Lucy, you know, we'd been training in the countryside and and we're just getting six, seven hours of work and it feels like nothing. So um, that's like, that that's my project right now that uh, that's my baby that I've been working on.
1: That's exciting. Well, man, let me tell you, it's always fun chatting with you. Uh, one of the most interesting people on tour. Um, I appreciate. You as a tennis coach, but also you as someone that was willing to sacrifice your life for someone else's career. And I think that's the part. Yeah, likewise. Coaching yeah. on tour where it's like, yo, for 38 weeks, I'm like a coach, a servant, a brother, a father, a shoulder yeah. to cry on. And I'm going to go get tampons. I'm going to go get hair ties. I'm going to go grab water. I'm going to get the towel. I'm going to pick up the ball. Whatever's needed. Whatever's needed, right? And I think Whatever. it takes a very selfless person to do that. Uh, and a lot of time we don't make the money that we should have, or maybe we don't get like the appreciation, but I, I appreciate you. I appreciate the sacrifice. Uh, and I want to, you know, I appreciate- yeah, likewise, likewise. yeah,
2: Yeah, likewise, likewise. I was excited when uh, Nintendo hit me up and he said, uh, that, you know, you'd want to try. So, of course, my, my guy, that's right. it, 100%. But <laughs> catch up, I've been, you know, I've been wondering, I, I wonder, a lot of the time when I'm back here and you're not traveling and touring, you know, and you see everybody day to day, you wonder where people have ventured. So I was really happy to hear you're doing well, and you're doing your thing like that. Um, and we're, it seems like we're doing the same type of thing, you know? Same thing, so, one
1: foot in, one foot out, staying connected. Yeah. Good opportunity yeah, comes, it. you take it, but you know, totally fine. Being that's at the have been building, building this, you know what I mean? I love
2: you, buddy, that's right. it.
1: But well, man. man, I want to appreciate you. This this has been the Tennis.com podcast with former coach of Grand Slam finalist singles, Grand Slam, five-time Grand Slam doubles champion Lucy Saparova, and coach and mentor to Dennis Shapovalov in his early days. Rob, I appreciate you. Hey, thanks, Kay. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, brother.